Thank you, Mindy, for reading such a warm, friendly, and engaging text from the prophet Jeremiah. Last week, we began a journey entitled Difficult Discipleship. We began listening to Jesus and Jeremiah's perspective on following God, on discipleship. Both seem to suggest that following God, living lives of obedience, is difficult work. For discipleship is difficult. You know, I find it very interesting that most people that I know, whoever they are, always seem to identify with being one of the good guys. It doesn't really matter who the bad guys are, because most of us just automatically view ourselves as different from them. Of course, that makes it extremely convenient for us. If we're the good guys, then we can't be wrong, right? If we're the good guys, what we do has to be right, doesn't it? It's easy for us, when we look at the human family and divide out the good guys from the bad guys, since whoever does the dividing always puts themselves on the good side. That means that the others, those who are different, those who are less than, those who are simply on another side, are by definition bad. Very regularly, we find all kinds of ways to label ourselves in such a way that we appear good, while labeling others in such a way that they appear bad. Yet, in today's reading, the prophet Jeremiah is suggesting some difficult words. Words of anger, words of judgment, words suggesting that we might not be the good guys that we like to identify ourselves as. For he says, my people are foolish. They do not know me. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. It's almost as if. God is telling the prophet Jeremiah, my people are not the good guys. What if we're not the good guys that we like to think we are? What if our actions have caused people all over the world to suffer unbeknownst to us? What if our indifference to the suffering of God's creation is just as bad as those who actually abuse and destroy it? What if our indifference to the suffering of another human being breaks the very heart of God. The prophet Jeremiah continues, I looked at the earth, and lo, it was waste and void into the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on to the mountains, and lo, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this, the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black, for I have spoken, I have proposed. I have not relented, nor will I turn back. Harsh words from the prophet Jeremiah. 
Harsh words painting a picture of a very harsh reality. Words emphasizing judgment, destruction, and an obliteration of God's own creation. The creation that God said was good. The creation that God loved. Being utterly obliterated before God's and Jeremiah's own eyes. This is a difficult text. Discipleship is difficult. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann refers to this text as a dangerous poem in his commentary on Jeremiah. So what exactly is going on here? And when we read this cryptic text nestled in the book of Jeremiah that talks about the destruction of all of God's creation. What in the world is going on? What is happening? Jeremiah says that when he looked at the earth, it was waste and void, or formless and void. Waste and void. Formless and void. This might be our first clue as to what exactly Jeremiah was getting at. For this phrase, waste and void, or formless and void, appears only one other time in all of the Hebrew Scriptures. And that comes from Genesis chapter 1. It seems to me that we can best understand this text in Jeremiah if we think about the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1. And it says, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, was waste and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Throughout Genesis chapter 1, God speaks creation into being. And yet, in this text in Jeremiah chapter 4, chapter 4, it almost seems as if creation is being reversed. In Genesis 1, God speaks. God creates, and then God sees. Six times, God orders, God creates, God brings forth, God sees, and then God calls it good. And when all of creation had been done, God looks down, sees all that God has done, and says, it is good. It is very good. It is almost as if God's seeing enables God to assess the state of God's creation. And in today's text out of Jeremiah, we see this same concept where Jeremiah four different times says, I look or I see. And each time he looks, he sees utter destruction, chaos and calamity, tragedy and turmoil. The mountains are falling. There are no more birds, no more vegetation. Even the heavens grow black with no light in them. God seems to be pushing, if you will, Jeremiah to see the things that Jeremiah does not want to see. And therefore, maybe Jeremiah is pushing us, you and me, to see the things that we don't want to see either. Our consistent assumption that we are the good guys is being significantly challenged in this text. This vision may reflect the reality of more people on this planet than we are comfortable admitting. God created God's creation to be good, and yet there is much evil in the land. 
And evil doesn't necessarily come from the bad guys. Evil comes from us. Our indifference to the suffering of others must break God's heart as it breaks down God's own creation. Through this text, we are challenged to take a look at the evil we cause in the world. And as we see the desolation of our mountains, our skies, our wildlife, our once green spaces, our cities, and our environment, have we seen the desolation of God's creation? And do we acknowledge our own responsibility for it? You know, if we have difficulty imagining that something is even wrong, Jeremiah asks us to look again more closely, more cautiously, more critically. We are called to sit in heaven's darkness and hear the weeping of the entire earth. If we're willing to stop thinking of ourselves as the good guys all the time, we might actually comprehend how we have betrayed our divine commission to be the stewards of God's creation and humbly ask God and one another how we can do good in the sight of God. For Jeremiah's startling vision speaks to us and demands a difficult response. For discipleship is difficult. Christian author Ronald Roheiser tells a parable in his book, The Holy Longing, The Search for Christian Spirituality, that I think speaks to this. He says, once upon a time, there was a town that was built just beyond the bend of a large river. And one day, some of the children from the town were playing beside the river, and they noticed three bodies floating in the water. They ran for help, and the townsfolk quickly pulled the bodies out of the river. One body was dead, so they buried it. One was alive, but quite ill, so they put that person into the hospital. And the third turned out to be a healthy child who they then placed with a family who cared for him and took him to school. And from that day on, every day a number of bodies came floating down the river, and every day the good people of the town would pull them out and tend to them, taking the sick to the hospitals, placing children with families, and burying those who had passed on. This went on for years. Each day brought its quota of bodies, and the townsfolk not only came to expect a number of bodies each day, but also worked at developing more elaborate systems for picking them out of the river and tending to them. Some of the townsfolk became quite generous in tending to these bodies, and a few extraordinary ones gave up their jobs so they could tend to this concern full time. The town itself felt a certain healthy pride in its generosity. However, during all these years, despite all that generosity and effort, nobody ever thought to go up the river beyond the bend that hid from their sight that was above them and find out why daily those bodies kept flowing down the river. It's almost as if their acts of charity blinded them from addressing the problem that was actually at hand. Compassion and justice. Our compassion blinds us from doing justice. Too often our compassion is like a checklist. If we can check off that we have done our part and justify our own involvement 
we can justify our lack of involvement in other areas. And yet discipleship is difficult. Discipleship means conforming to the image of Christ. Discipleship is not just one more extracurricular activity. We are not conformed to the image of Christ accidentally. We don't conform to the image of Christ by only laying down half of our lives. God doesn't want to be an add-on to our lives, but God desires to be in total control of our lives, our situation. Discipleship means rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. Discipleship means not just donating food, but exploring why people are hungry. Discipleship means not just pulling bodies out of the river, but exploring why the bodies got there to begin with. Discipleship requires action. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells two parables that suggest that discipleship requires action. He says, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he is found, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. The shepherd seems to have an absolute commitment to finding the sheep again, no matter what, even if it's difficult work. Jesus continues, or a woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, what woman does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? This woman seems to have an absolute commitment to finding this coin again, no matter what, even if it's difficult work. Discipleship means that you cannot just leave the sheep to fend for itself. It means going into the wilderness, risking your own life until you find it. The shepherd was full of action. He leaves. He goes after. He finds. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoices, comes home, and calls together his friends. And the woman is filled with action as well. She lights her lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully, finds, and calls together her friends. Discipleship requires action that starts with seeing. Do we see the brokenness around us? Do we see the brokenness in our homes, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world? Do we see the vision that God gives Jeremiah to give to us? the brokenness of God's creation. Do we see it? Do we notice that a sheep is lost? Do we notice that the coin is no longer in the box of coins? Many biblical scholars suggest that the shepherd and the woman in this story represent God, and the lost people are what are representative of the sheep and the coin. And yet if true discipleship is conformity to the image of Christ, we ought to be doing the searching as well. It's this parable which depicts God is Jesus Christ becoming one of us to search for those who are lost, hurting, and broken. We must do the same. Our world is broken. Our green spaces are becoming less and less. 
Our atmosphere is being destroyed. Our animals are becoming extinct. God's creation is suffering. How do we respond? If discipleship really is conformity to the image of Christ, we ought to be outdoing the searching as well. Our world is broken. Prophet Jeremiah suggests that we first have to see and understand that. But the follower of Christ then has a responsibility not just to see, but to find. Discipleship is difficult. We cannot become overwhelmed by the circumstances that we just step back in apathy. We cannot allow the comfort of cynicism to fill our own hearts to the point that we do nothing about the devastation of God's creation. Being a disciple of Christ means seeking out all the places where darkness is winning and doing something about it. Discipleship is difficult because discipleship requires action. It means standing up for those who are on their knees. It means crying out for those who have no more tears to shed. It means laying down our lives for the sake of the gospel. It means struggling to help restore God's earth, which has been destroyed by our supposed progress. Even last week. Jesus suggests that most of the people who come to follow him are not really going to want to. He suggested that following him means taking up our cross to Golgotha, to the place of the skull. Discipleship is difficult. First, we must see the brokenness around us. But then, we must find, find healing, find hope, and find peace. Christian theologian Thomas A. Kempis suggests today Jesus has many who love his heavenly kingdom but few who carry his cross. Many who yearn for comfort but few who long for distress. Plenty of people he finds to share his banquet but few to share his fast. Everyone desires to take part in his rejoicing, but very few are willing to suffer anything for his sake. There are many that follow Jesus as far as the breaking of the bread, but few as far as drinking the cup of suffering. Many that revere his miracles, but very few that follow him to the indignity of his cross. Very that will follow him in the indignity of the cross. For discipleship is difficult. It means laying down our entire life. It means running back to God with everything that we have. Discipleship is hard work. Sometimes it involves us doing things that we don't want to do. Going out in the wilderness to find a lost sheep. 
digging through the house to find a lost coin. Or maybe even reaching out in grace and hospitality to a lost son who has betrayed us.